Well, we're in a series about blessing at the moment, and I just thought I'd start by saying it really is a blessing for me to be here with you this morning. It's wonderful to be in God's house with God's people. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your precious word. And Lord, we ask today that you would bless us afresh by bringing it alive in our hearts and minds. Lord, would you, in your mercy and kindness, meet with us this morning. Amen. Robert J. Thomas had a burning desire to share the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. He first went to China to do this uh, for the Chinese people, but he couldn't help but fixate on the nation of Korea. He was desperate to tell the Koreans about Jesus' death and resurrection. So he ended up traveling on an American ship, offering to interpret for them in exchange for the opportunity to spread the word of God. As the ship went along the shore, he tossed out Bibles. Korean officials ordered the American boat to leave at once. The Americans defied the warning, and they paid for their arrogance with their lives. For the ship ran aground and stuck fast in the muddy bottom of the water. Whilst the Americans managed to hold off the Koreans with gunpowder for a while, the Koreans eventually set the boat on fire, driving all the sailors to shore, where they were then killed. However, God worked in the heart of the man who killed Robert. Convinced by Robert's beaming face that he had in fact killed a good man, he decided to keep one of the Bibles. He wallpapered his house with it, and people came from far and near to read the words. A church grew, and a nephew of Robert's killer became a pastor. Today, around 40% of South Koreans are Christians, and the nation has some of the largest congregations in the world. So we're in a series about blessing. And today we're focusing on blessing others by sharing Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Now, essentially, Robert sacrificially determined to share Christ with the Koreans. He gave up everything in order to give them the ultimate blessing of knowing Jesus Christ. You see, there is, after all, nothing greater that we can give to others. Yes, we are to feed the hungry. Yes, we are to clothe the poor. Yes, we are to show compassion and justice and care for those around us. But the very greatest gift we can give people is a relationship with Jesus and a secure hope for their eternity in heaven with him through his salvation and his forgiveness of sins. And so Robert blessed the Koreans. Now, in Peter's letter to uh, the disciples at the time, a lot of people who were Christians, Christ followers, were being persecuted. And where most of us may never experience that dramatic kind of suffering that Robert uh, faced, or those early Christians, we do need to be very aware that in some parts of our world today, that kind of persecution is very much a reality. But we also need not to be blind to the fact that you and I today may suffer right here 
in our culture for being Christ followers too. Perhaps some of you have experienced being the butt of jokes, being excluded from social events. Maybe your voice has been quieted. Maybe you've missed a promotion. Maybe you've experienced an underlying feeling that wider culture assumes you're stupid for being someone who believes. There are different ways, but there are ways nonetheless that today, Christ followers here in London might feel a degree of suffering for choosing to follow Jesus Christ. And so we're going to explore our passage a bit further and see how we're to respond and how we're to continue being a blessing and living lives of blessing. But before we do, I just really quickly want to say, um, this is not like me, because those of you who come to Christchurch quite a lot will know that I tend to try and tackle the really difficult bits of the passage and try and explain them through in my talks. But today I'm not going to. Um, And I just want to say that just really, I'm aware that there are some very tricky bits in this passage. Um, I'm not ignoring them, but prayerfully I've decided that they're not where we should spend the next 10 minutes of our time. So if you are uh, desperately looking for an answer as to what happened to Jesus in the three days where he might have gone to preach back to those people, just come and see me afterwards. And if there's a big enough interest, I'll produce a handout next week, I promise, with all the different theological arguments, and you can go and weigh that up. I'm also aware that at the very beginning of the chapter, there's some stuff about submission, which we find hard in our culture. So again, too, if that's something you would like to wrestle with, please come and speak to me. But for the next 10 minutes, I actually want to leave that aside. Because I think for us today, verse 15 is where I want us to meditate. Verse 15 is where I'd like us to center our attention. And it says this, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. We'll come back to that at the end. But I believe it's the root, the center of everything we're about to look at. So I'm going to ask uh, three quick questions of this passage. What do we need to know to live a life of blessing? How do we respond to suffering for being a Christian or for proclaiming Christ? And how do we get the strength to live a life of blessing? So firstly, just very quickly, things that we need to know in order to live a life of blessing. Three things that if we absorb them, we will be blessed simply by absorbing them. And so we will be blessed Firstly, in verse 13, you are blessed by God. If you are a Christian, you are blessed by God. And in verse 9, you will inherit a blessing. Might not feel like that every day, especially if you've woken up this morning to this lovely rain. Um, You might not be feeling particularly blessed. You may be feeling poorly in body, mind, or spirit today, and it doesn't feel great. But our feelings are not an indicator. They're not to be the determining factor. Rather, Scripture says we are blessed and we will inherit a blessing simply by knowing Christ and being sure of the eternity we have with him. We are truly blessed. We need to know very clearly that to suffer for good is okay. It's better to suffer for good than to do evil in verse 17. And knowing this can help us to keep going in hard decisions that we have to face in our daily lives. 
And finally, we are going to be resurrected. Verse 21. Nothing on this earth can rob you or I of that. So being secure in the knowledge of these things enables us to be free from the fears and constraints that are in our world. And I'd love to just encourage you this morning that if you need to get a bit of a grasp of the center of the Christian message, maybe to come and join us on the Alpha course or um, come and speak to me afterwards and I'd love to give you a book just to help you do that. So we're blessed to have knowledge of Jesus and of our salvation, of our relationship with him, but sometimes some of us are going to suffer for it. Now, how are we to respond to that kind of suffering? Well, I'd like to suggest four things out of our passage. First thing is not to hide, not to be like an ostrich with its head in the sand. And I've got a great picture of this for the screen, but couldn't get it up this morning. Um, we're not to hide. Now, if, like me, you're not very brave, any kind of thought of suffering or being put out for, for Jesus Christ means that I tend to just want to bury myself under my pillow and run away. You might be more courageous than me, but whatever it is that God may allow us to face here in this life, we're actually called not to hide, but rather in verse 17, to carry on. It's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good and for doing evil. We're to carry on doing good, not to hide. Secondly, we're not to fear what others fear. We're not to fear people's threats against us, for our God is bigger. But here in Chiswick, we're not to fear the pressures people around us put on us. We're not to fear lack of achievement. We're not to fear being out of control. We're not to fear death. We're not to fear losing out on something, an experience, a relationship, an opportunity. We're not to fear the same things that those around us fear. Because we know that we are God's, he has a plan for us, and that ultimately we are going to be with him for eternity, forever. If we're secure in that, we can live very, very different lives to those around us, and it is attractive to people. So we're not to fear, we're not to hide. Thirdly, we're to remember Jesus' suffering, to know clearly that as Christians, we are to share in his suffering. It's attractive to think that we might share in Christ's glory, but to share in his suffering isn't so great. Not a great sell in our culture today, is it? You know, we all love to feel good. We are the feel-good people. Anything that means that we might suffer or be put out makes us feel deeply uncomfortable, makes us think that something is wrong with us or with the people around us. And yet Jesus is our ultimate example, a suffering servant. There are times where you and I, if we are to share Christ and to keep doing so through our lives, it might mean that we will suffer for it. 
and we are to know that there is nothing wrong with us. It doesn't feel great, and we're allowed to say that, but we need to know that it's not wrong. But Jesus' suffering didn't end in suffering. He ended in resurrection, and we too will be raised from the dead. Nothing now will compare to what's to come. So when we face suffering, we're to respond by not hiding, not fearing, remembering Christ's suffering. And finally, by not becoming arrogant. We can have a tendency sometimes when we know we're okay with God and we're secure that we could appear potentially arrogant. Rather, we're to follow Christ's teaching of loving our enemies. And Peter highlights this in verse 9 when he says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but rather bless. You and I are called to keep on going on blessing people, even those who don't like us, even those that might persecute us, even those that might make us the butt of the jokes. We're to go on blessing So that's all very well, but how do we get the power and strength to live this kind of life, to stay in the knowledge of these things and to respond well if we are to face suffering ourselves? Well, I think there's two things that are key, and they come in that verse 15. In our hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And secondly, to be prepared we're to have an idea of what to say when someone asks us. One of the ways we gain strength to live blessed lives is by being prepared to give an answer for why we believe what we do and to do so in a kind, respectful and gentle way, as the passage says. Sometimes it can be useful to rehearse our testimony and remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives. It can be useful to regularly read through the Gospels At the moment, I'm slowly working my way through The Reason for God by Timothy Keller, just to equip myself just a little bit more about how to engage with some of the conversations people are having about God. There's no need for us to try and stand up for God in an aggressive or forceful way, but rather, as the passage says, when we are asked, we are to be ready in gentleness and respect to give a reason for our hope. And it is amazing how often people ask, perhaps not directly, perhaps in roundabout ways, but often people ask, well, you you don't seem very worried, or you seem to have a smile on your face quite often. And people ask what it is. Just the other week at the school gate, that's where I spent quite a bit of my time in the week. I just had a lovely opportunity when I was talking to someone about hopes for our children. And this particular person, like a lot of West London parents, was very anxious about their academic achievement. In fact, I would say it is an idol in our culture. And I was able just very gently and very kindly just to sort of say, well, you know, I do, I really care how my kids do academically. I do. Um, But I said to her, and I struggled with this, but actually I myself am trying very hard not to make it the main thing. Because actually for me, there's something else more important. I want them to know that they are wonderfully made by God, 
that he loves them just as they are. And they may not be A-grade students, but he has a plan for them and he loves them. And they are precious. And I don't want them to grow up with their identity bound up with achievement. That if they somehow don't hit the mark, that that means that they're a terrible person. And I said to this person just very gently, I'm very worried about the stress we're putting on them. Of course I want them to learn, and of course I want them to do as well as they can in their exams. Of course I do. I'm the same as every parent. But I said to her, I'm wrestling. I said very honestly, I'm wrestling not to make it the idol, not to make it the goal. And we ended up having a lovely conversation about who we are as people and who God's made us to be. And it was just a lovely little opportunity just to share a little bit about faith. But this happens for all of us in many ways. Um, in the workplace, it can happen in all kinds of situations. Why you might not steal something, why you might hold on to truth, why you might not bend the rule. And these gives us opportunities as we do good to share Christ with those around us. At the women's breakfast uh, the other weekend, a lady was talking, and I have to say I missed half the talk, so um, I probably won't get this totally accurate, but she was sharing a time with her colleagues when she went out um, to a meeting with them, and they were basically suggesting that we just needed to tick a box on a form to get people through the system. And she said, I'm uncomfortable with this. I don't think I can do that. Because if we do that, we're kind of teaching people to lie, that they can just bend the rules. And um, it was a very tense moment for her, and she went home very, very worried that her colleagues were going to really dislike her, that she was going to find work a real struggle. However, when she went in the next morning, uh, one of the colleagues agreed with her, and they had a discussion about how to move forward in this area of work. That was an amazing outcome. Sometimes we don't get that amazing outcome, though. Sometimes we might go in the next day, and someone is still kind of cross with us that we've not bended the rules. So let's be honest about that. That kind of degree of suffering is suffering we may face at times for doing ultimately what is good in the long run. So how do we get the power? Well, we, we get ready to respond we practice how we're going to respond. We learn about the faith and we work out how we might be able to talk to our friends, our neighbours, our families, our colleagues about Jesus. But I found um, the sermon last week that Phil brought to us from uh, the, Christ, uh, the Chiswick Christian Centre really wonderful. And he had this incredible uh, analogy of God being like the cloud and us being like iPads. And when we get, move into the Wi-Fi zone, we sync with the cloud, like we sync with God. Um, and in many ways this morning, I didn't really want this sermon to move us much beyond that point, which is why I want to bring us back just as I end now to verse 15. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Can I just ask you today as we close, where in your hearts you might need to set apart Christ as Lord? What fears need to be put down and where might Christ need to be made Lord? What activities that we fill our time with, might need to have less priority 
that Christ might be Lord. What patterns or habits of behavior have we got into that might need to be pushed down and Christ made Lord? Because as we set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts, increasingly we are transformed to live blessed lives and be a blessing to others. So can I invite you to sink with the cloud this week, to, to prioritise Christ again. To work out in your heart where maybe he's become less than Lord or something else has been set apart as Lord and not him. And just to have that chance, just to reflect. And so we're going to land there. Because when he is Lord in our hearts, we really are truly best with his peace, with his presence, with his hope, with his love. And so often we run around and forget (laughs) to set him apart as Lord. When we do so, we're so blessed and it shows to other people. It really does. Because we walk around with a different peace and a different hope. We have a different Lord, not the idols of West London, but Christ as Lord. Amen.